Hello, and welcome to Gilead. I'm Rebecca Anderson, one of the pastors here, and I'm so glad you found us. This week, we've got something special for you. On Good Friday this year, we met at the Teal Room, back home in Rogers Park, for Harrowed, Stories from the Pit. And Stu P. as Pence preached the hell out of it, and us. As some of you know firsthand, hell is real. You've been there and back. But Ez's sermon was a balm that quenched the flames. From April 7, 2023, here they are. I'm telling you something. Listen to me. If you don't kill yourself, you're going to make it. You're going to get out of hell. Life is not always going to be so painful, and you're not going to hurt so bad. You're going to get to be like a more normal person who has a life that's worth living. That is going to happen if you don't kill yourself. You worked too hard. You're too bright. You are too capable. You are going to get out. You just have to keep yourself alive. So this is Dr. Marsha Linehan, who created dialectical behavioral therapy, or that's DBT to you, talking to a patient, and boy, can she preach when she wants to. You're going to get out of hell. And literally, if you hear nothing for the rest of the service, just hear that. You're going to make it. You're going to get out of hell. Can we pray real quick, if that's your thing? God on the cross, God suffering, God crucified, God dead, and then don't go too far from us, God. Amen. So anyway, DBT, again, that's dialectical behavioral therapy, is empirically like an outstanding approach to uh, living with the realities of complex trauma, of deep interpersonal violence. At least that has been my experience of it. Uh, the way that I would say is that I grew up kind of like better than some, but definitely worse than others. No one really walks away from their family of origin unscathed, but I know that I had bruises. And so did, and so does my brother. His are deeper, I think, and more of this awful spectacle of morbid color than mine. They punctuate his flesh more vividly. One time, um, actually twice, he overdosed. But this isn't his addict story. This is a story of him as a theologian. Not that you can't be both. So we were sitting in my mother's kitchen. The turquoise walls, she thought, uh, would like color palette the trauma of our stepfather away. They were awash with the Midwestern evening light. And she was in the process of selling this house. And with it, a shit ton of baggage. I mentioned offhandedly for some reason to Robbie that I did not believe in hell. And he said, oh, you should. I've seen it. He's felt it. The pop of blistering skin, the scorching wet heat, the suffering stifling his slowing, decreasing breath. Some people see a light at the end of the tunnel when they overdose. Some people run for the light. Some people turn back. Other people, I guess, see hell. And it didn't take much more detail from him for me to believe him because I know him and I know what he's been through. And I know that hell is beyond the mystical vision that is produced by these theologies of punishment that live in his body. Hell is the bruises on his body right in the center of his chest, the stigmata from the sternal rub where paramedics revived him. Hell is the guttural sobs that carve a hollow ache in both of our lungs, the meltdowns, the panic attacks, 
how is just the fucked up way we grew up? And I don't know if my brother needed to see and hallucinate how to know what it feels like to be there. And again, obviously, neither, I think, to you. See, as far as what the Bible calls this weeping and gnashing of teeth, I don't think that's too foreign for you. I think you know what it means to live, to live through hell because hell is a spiritual, physical, socioeconomic, and political reality for all of us. And it was an actual reality, like Jeanette mentioned, for the people Jesus preached to in his life. There are a number of words and phrases that Jesus uses in the New Testament to describe these places of punishment. There's Hades, and then the lake of fire in Revelation, and then Gehenna, the last of which, again, was a real place, the Valley of Hinnom, a place where not only people used to burn their trash, but also, historically, sacrifice their children. To, fire, to a fire god named Malak, who is thirsty for blood. It's this place of fire, and my thought is that Jesus uses this image of environmental abuse and also interpersonal violence and depravity to make his point. And he uses this word Gehenna to describe the kind of ethical fuckery of the human condition. Just go and find it. It's in Matthew 25. It's the word that Jesus uses to describe the place of final eternal punishment to describe what life kind of outside of the kingdom is like. He's saying hell is real, and it's down the street. Hell is a closed Whole Foods on the south side of Chicago. Hell is a turquoise kitchen in the snap of your father's step belt, your stepfather's belt. Hell is a first grade classroom splattered with gore. Hell is the grinding of metal and the breaking of glass. Hell is a well-oiled machine powered by systems and exchanges of interpersonal violence. This fucking harrowing depravity. But I don't think that you need another goddamn Good Friday message about how you were so horrible that Jesus had to die. That Jesus had to be betrayed, had to suffer this interpersonal violence, had to be arrested and tortured and executed. Don't get it twisted. In fact, if you or a loved one have been victimized by this kind of atonement theology, this punitive theory that God sent God's only child to die to save you from hell? I'm just kind of here to say fuck that. That kind of atonement theology, what we call in fancy words penal substitutionary atonement theology, or just simply as feminist scholars would call it heavenly child abuse, is really exactly that. It's fucking child abuse. God did not kill Jesus to save you from how awful you are or from hell. The state killed Jesus. Law and order killed Jesus. Systems of dehumanization that are threatened by this radical message of care and love and community killed Jesus. Love put Jesus on the cross in a different way than you might have heard it before. And Good Friday is not a day to point fingers at individuals who are crushed underfoot by that same evil, but to say, you know what? Enough of this. Good Friday says this is where that shit ends. Good Friday says it is finished. If there is a hell that Jesus saved you from, it's empty. This old, old thing that churches who maybe are like, I don't know if they're out there, but a little more liturgical than us, uh, <laughs> read. It's, it's called the Apostles' Creed, and it's this statement about the... Yeah, the, 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 the statement about the essentials of following the faith, and we don't read it. Um, we, I love us. But there's a part there that sums up these events of Good Friday, and it reads, Christ suffered under Pontius Pilate, 
He was crucified. He was died. He was buried. He descended into hell. Catholics, kind of the OGs, well, not the OGs, the Orthodox, call it the harrowing of hell and read about it in 1 Peter 4. That Jesus went and preached the good news to people who were suffering in ultimate agony. And I'd say, as the Christ who is in all things and draws all things to him, to his peace and love and grace, he so went and drawed all people in hell to him and just cleared that shit out. In Christ's death, he drew all who were suffering to him in the spiritual, socioeconomic, physical reality of hell. He went to hell and back for us and emptied it because hell is not God's ultimate promise for us. So we live in this reality of Good Friday. That's why it's important that we honor this. We live in this moment of violence and emptiness and loss and grief. But now we know the story. And we know Sunday's coming. We see the kingdom of God, this antithesis of Gehenna, of hell. And there's this sort of false dialectic, I think, in Christianity, a black and white tendency of seeing heaven and hell as these dichotomous realms that are above and below places and not states of being in the world. And Jesus knew hell was on earth. And you know in your bodies that it's still here. You know from your lived experience. But Jesus knew, so do you, I think, in your bodies, that there's a new reality on its way. And you ought to know, if no one's told you this, that it sure as shit is Friday. But Sunday is coming. Hell is real, but don't you fucking make your bed there. Don't build your home on your broken back and in the bruises on your skin. Because the kingdom of God is not only on its way, it's within you. And that's as fucking real as it gets. Hear that again. The kingdom of God, it's within you. It's the way that you stop using drugs to hurt yourself. It's the way that your BPD went into remission. It's in the way that you refuse to be like the people who hurt you and try to keep trying for kindness. It is your real compassion for yourself and for others. It is your real resistance to these death-dealing systems of hate. It's when you live like you're mindful of how the story ends because we know, we just know. You know heaven as well as you know hell. And if you didn't know this before, now you do. There's good news for you. The story doesn't end here, and neither do you. I'm telling you something. Listen to me. You're going to make it. You're going to get out of hell. Life is not always going to be so painful. And you're not going to hurt so bad. See, the kingdom of God is on its way. And the kingdom of God is near. The kingdom of God is now. It's right there, and there, and there, and there, and there, and there, and there. And you get it. And you know it. So live like it. Amen.